0: This is the Roar and Peace podcast. I'm Kate Bierman, mom to a toddler and five rescue animals, two-term city council member and co-owner of three businesses with my business partner, Sarita Wilson.
1: And I am Sarita Wilson. I have two grown kids, which makes me an empty nester. I'm married to a coffee roaster. I'm a wacky doggy daycare lady, industry disruptor, entrepreneur, and city council lady. I have too many animals to name. Okay, well, today I guess we are going to talk about... Um, How to know if an opportunity is right for you, specifically in the world of business, but also in
0: life, I guess. And so we are recording this podcast on a Wednesday. It is the day after Super Tuesday. And uh, while both parties had elections yesterday, one carried a little more weight than the other. And... As I was watching the results come in last night, we don't we don't typically talk about this kind of stuff on this podcast, but I was I was watching the results last night from the perspective of a business owner, and it made me think a little differently about it. So as a business owner, let's just use our coffee businesses as an example. We come in, we make sure we have a wonderful product. We ensure that the cost is reasonable and accessible to as many people as possible. We make sure that we are reflecting our customers' desires back at them in terms of what we are selling and what price point we're selling it at. We make sure that we have great customer service and make our, our building as warm and inviting as it can be to cast a wide net, bring as many people in as possible. And then you have Joe somebody over here walk into the next door building, slap some crappy paint up on the walls brew a pot of folgers coffee and everyone goes running in and so you know we see that we see that in the business world where we try and do things very intentionally and very well crafted and then you know some competitor comes in and does things not nearly as well as we're doing and they get a lot of news stories and support and money and, you know, all of that. And I I, I felt a little bit that that was what was happening last night in the Democratic primary election, is that we had a few handcrafted artisanal candidates out there that took pains to reflect what they felt the public was asking of them. They had actual plans. And actual plans And then someone else came in who had zero field staff in any of these states. So zero presence in any of these states, almost no advertising, has almost no plans and is riding this wave of nostalgia. And he comes in and walks away with the whole night. (laughs) And I really don't understand it. I mean, from a political science perspective, it's really difficult for me to understand. One person made a really great analogy, and I wish that I could give them full on credit for it, but I cannot remember who it is. And they were basically saying, you know... After being strapped to an out-of-control monster truck for four years, sometimes all you want is for your grandpa to sit you in the back of the family minivan, make sure your seatbelts are fastened, make sure the airbags work, turn the radio to a good oldie station, and tell stories about the past. And I may not agree. (laughs) I mean, that may not be a compelling prospect for me, but I do understand a little bit of where it's coming from but we had decided on this podcast topic before last night's before election results. results and so i just mm-hmm. thought i just thought that that was an interesting commingling of topics because choosing your presidential your preferred presidential candidate and casting a vote is very comparable to looking at opportunities that might be presented to you as a business owner and trying to figure out which one if any of them or maybe all of them um, is the right opportunity for you? So, so in politics we, and in business and in business, and <laughs> it's in life. a good question. I, I
1: guess as we kind of sit around and talk about these episodes before, so we pretty much have a good feel. And all we could talk about this morning was the results from last <laughs> night. So, so that's why the the topics kind of got mixed. But I think that you know the theme of life in the last for probably everybody in the United States that pays attention at all in the last few months and weeks, specifically, if you're a Democrat, is we had a wide range of candidates, lots of opportunities there. And it boiled down to the safe one got the pick last night. And and so do you do that in your business? How do you make those decisions in your business when you have lots of opportunities?
0: When do you decide to take the leap on something that is a really big sea change Mm -hmm. versus when do you go with something safe? And again, applicable to both business and politics. How much disruption is too much disruption? How much change is too much change? But also being safe can sometimes not be the right direction to go either. I mean, we're seeing Mm -hmm. that, frankly, in um, the doggy daycare industry here in town, you know, that there are some that play it safer than others. And, you know, time will tell what the eventual outcome is of that. But you can definitely see a difference between those of us who really work to do more and do better and do different things and add services and make bookings easier for clients, um, constantly updating the website versus the ones that kind of do things a little bit more the way they did when they first opened. They just plopped a place
1: down, opened the doors
0: and kind of continued going that route. Right. And so some of us have seen growth and some of us have not. And Mm -hmm. so... You know, I think that I think that there are a lot of a lot of good analogies between politics and business right now. And this is something that we all face in our daily lives. And we are facing that with our businesses recently. We've had multiple opportunities in front of us and trying to decide which of them, if any or all of them we were going to do was something we really struggled with over the last few weeks.
1: Yeah. So part of the thing we have to do is kind of dig into our own personalities and see uh, what it is we do well and what it is that. I have a tendency, I guess, to want to just leap at every opportunity. I think Kate does as well. I do. And we we (laughs) have like different tastes and opportunities. And maybe that's why we're so open to these new progressive candidates, too, is because we're entrepreneurial and we're leapers, where we're like, I'm willing to take a chance on a new idea, and I'm willing to take a chance on a new situation Mm -hmm. that could possibly make my life better. To me, change is
0: not scary. It's really exciting. And I recognize that that's not the way a lot of people are. You know, I've spent a lot of time talking to my family members recently about changes they want to make in their lives or, you know, moving from a city and a job that they are very comfortable in, even though it's really holding them back. I mean, I understand. I mean, how I ended up in Oklahoma was just seeing the cliff in front of me and saying, "Okay, I'm going to take a running leap and throw my arms out and hope I don't regret it, which I which I don't. But all of the most weird and fun and interesting and life changing things that have happened in my life have come because I have taken some serious chances With some serious risk involved, I I admit that. And going into it with the intention that you're going to work to make it work Mm -hmm. is, to me, what made all the difference. If you go into it thinking that it's going to fail, then you have a much higher chance of failure. So, I
1: I think that I had a very pivotal moment in my whole existence was when I, in my early 20s, I started skydiving. And on my fourth jump, my parachute didn't work legitimately, I had to save my own life by pulling my reserve. And from that moment on, I was like, I can do anything.
0: Being willing to pull the ripcord on the reserve parachute of life. <laughs> that's
1: right. And I feel like that's kind of, it. it's kind of been a theme through the rest of my life because I shortly after that quit my bank job and started climbing poles and doing utility construction. I had, I was a bank teller bank teller to utility construction and then installation and that whole career and then that was a very safe place for me and then I jumped out of that airplane as well and I built a parachute on the way down with that one called Annie's Rough House.
0: Well what I think was so interesting is probably at the beginning of that utility construction job it was scary it was a big change it was different and what it sounds like is when it became safe.
1: That's when I was like hey, I don't like this anymore. <laughs>
0: when you were like what? Maybe we go ahead and try something new. Yeah,
1: and I think that's happened with our current businesses. We've mm-hmm. tried coffee now, and we're, we're highly successful with coffee. We're about to, we've just had some opportunities. Uh, so specifically, this topic came to us because we've both been doing our due diligence on two different opportunities.
0: One kind of within the one of the existing industries we already operate in, and one that would be completely new. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think there's a part of us that one of the reasons why we were, we're kind of drawn new, to the newer opportunity versus the the one the that's more familiar to us yeah. is, is for the same reason, is that if we're going to be taking on an extra burden, if we're going to be stretching the limits of our bandwidth once again, if we're going to be breaking... <laughs> Our 2020 New Year's resolution. Let's be honest; it was about three weeks into the year yeah, is when, when they first approached us. Cool um, opportunities that if we're going to do that, we should do it in a way that is more exciting and more novel to us, rather than doing something that was much closer to what we were doing previously.
1: Absolutely, and I think that in that, though, in knowing our personalities like this, I think we did we took a very pragmatic approach in taking the emotion out of these two projects and really boiling down the numbers. And you know, I always go back to that as my safe space is numbers. With the one that's in our familiar industry, we really dug into the numbers. We had multiple meetings. We did research through different means. Uh, one of them is just asking other people in, in a Facebook group that's done this site type of thing what their experience was. We got some hard data from the partners, we'll say, mm-hmm. that were trying to bring us into this deal, and ultimately made a decision that it was just too, for me, I guess, status quo, with not enough return,
0: along with those points. For me, there was not enough certainty in the numbers and there was enough of a difference in this proposal that was brought to us versus what we were already doing that I was not sure that with the bandwidth that we had and with the financial resources that we had, that we would be able to weather any differences in what we were used to, what we planned for, and then what ended up happening. I couldn't make those numbers work in my head, considering what we already had on our plates, the historic numbers given to us by the last entity that occupied the same space and provided the same service. And knowing that there was going to be enough of a different, I just, I couldn't, there was not enough certainty for me. And I know I'm I'm a big proponent of the fact that nothing is 100% certain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had to talk about that a lot more in my city council life than I have in, in this life. Nothing is 100% certain. And so if we're going to be making decisions or casting votes based on the expectation of 100% certainty, I know that's never going to happen. But I couldn't even get into majority certainty with this opportunity to really make me feel comfortable.
1: So some of the questions I was thinking about, because a lot of it's just an organic thing that happens in my head, you know, like as I'm problem solving and seeing if this will work. But the things that I ask myself, this is the part that I feel like is the little kernel that you can use in your own decision making processes, which how much time will this take for me? For us, I believe it's resource based. so I think we would jump at every new project because we like new projects and they're fun. But you have resources, you have time resources, you have energy resources, you have money resources, and just hours in the day. So how much time and other resources will this take? That's almost if you apply that question to Mm -hmm. every situation, what resources will this take for me? Uh, And then, you know, kind of taking that list of things that will be needed. So a new business takes a lot of marketing. And, you know, just there's a lot of things. And what bandwidth do I have? Do I have money, startup capital? That's another resource question. And then there's energy. Will this distract from my other goals? How do I really determine if it's a good opportunity or I have confirmational bias in which I just love new projects? So for this, when we had two projects, it's almost kind of beneficial that there were two projects. So we knew we had room for one project. Which one do we want to take? Mm -hmm. And so the uh, other projects, so one of them was in our industry that we're already working in. Another one was a very new concept of which it was just more exciting and really a bigger opportunity for a better payout and less involvement by us.
0: Yeah, and that and to me that was kind of the biggest bonus point on this this other opportunity is that it checked a lot of boxes for us. It was something new. It was something exciting. We'd be helping we'd be helping a fellow Norman resident and business owner put together an idea that was new and exciting and novel for our city. And didn't require day-to-day management by us. Mm -hmm. And with all of the unknown variables that I didn't feel that I could accurately pin down, maybe you had gotten to a different place on that. But with things like the numbers, I wasn't feeling super confident Mm -hmm. in what we were putting putting together. The fact that it would require so much more day-to-day hands-on work by us was really concerning to me. With this other opportunity, I could do a lot of the research and the legwork and the background in the evening after my daughter goes to bed. You know, I could do a lot of the systems management that way, a lot of the marketing that way, but it didn't require me to have boots on the ground there for multiple hours of the day, every single day. And that was really important to me, too.
1: So ultimately, the resources and the shiny new
0: project run out. And stay tuned, because we'll be able to talk about that in a little more detail once we... Maybe about a week. Once the ink is dry. by the next podcast.
1: <gasps> Woo! That'll be fun. Um... You know, pivot to a topic that kind of came up during this recent conversation of the two projects. And this is uh, something
0: that we've seen on, you know, some of the, the Facebook groups in the industries that we're in is people are always wanting to know about investors versus loans. And that doesn't need to necessarily just be from a bank. You could get a loan. You could get a loan from a person in the community that you know. You could get a loan from a family member. And at the same time, either they might bring it up or you might be thinking about whether or not that means they should be an investor mm-hmm. in the company. So... When we were looking at this new and exciting opportunity that we'll be able to talk to you about in more detail at a future point, we were faced with this question. We mm-hmm. had resource needs. We knew that we were probably going to need somewhere between five dollars and $10,000 to be able to put into this building right from the beginning to get it where it needed to go and then have kind of a little bit of a runway to be able to pay bills, etc. Where were we going to get that money? we could go the traditional route and try and go and get a bank to lend us the money um, but we had some individuals in the community who were interested in being involved and the question then was how do we want to structure how that? do we structure that you know what do have they, too they many want hands in what yeah. do they
1: need and how do we successfully run this other business with too many people if it's a buy-in situation.
0: And yeah, and so that was something that we kind of had to think about. So we sat down with our attorney and kind of started working through some of those points and really kind of, because one of the, one of the prevailing factors in that was the fact that the person who is going to be the face of this business and do the day-to-day management and running of it, we will eventually, not too long in the future, want that person to be the business owner. To buy it. Our oh. goal is not to own this business forever. Our goal is to utilize our skills in getting businesses started, which mm-hmm. this person does not have, and then do the background work to ensure a stable financial foundation for this company, which this person also does not have. And they know that. We love them. We love, we them, love you. But... And so the question is how, if we have these investors capturing a significant percentage of the shares of the business or percentage of business ownership, then that doesn't leave a lot of opportunity for the person who is going to eventually own this business to buy back as early or as much. And so we wanted to preserve that opportunity, um, which is one of the main reasons why we went the the loan route rather than the investor route.
1: It may have been why this this project was so appealing to me too, though, because there's really a lot of cool parts to it. One of them is, I think, maybe a, a side thing that's going to happen is an investment group. This group of people that we've identified that has a little bit, not a whole incident, it's not big investment money. So I've worked in my council role on many entrepreneurship committees and And angel fund committees, because one of the big things that we want to do in our community is to draw better businesses, better job opportunities, better opportunities for everything into our community. So we have these conversations often. Many times, those angel investors are million dollar. These are million. You know, small businesses, two million (laughs) dollars. Yeah, the floor is really high. (laughs) The floor is really high, (laughs) and a lot of small businesses, like doggy daycare and coffee shops and those kinds of things, need a investment infusion of capital. But it's not a big dollar amount. And a lot of the big dollar amount angel investors don't want to mess with small potatoes. But there's some people out there in the world that have $1,000, $2,000 that want to invest in their community. And if we can construct and have this infrastructure in place, we can scale that to multiple other places and be able to have this investment group. And fingers crossed, and if everything works the way we think it's going to work, their money will be paid back in a year. And then they could go invest it in something else. And they can then help other businesses get started and make their own little bit of money from that and maybe build something over time. And so I think it does two things. And that was really exciting for me. So we have this investment group that then we, we needed to have the conversations with them. Do they just want it to be structured like a loan or do they want to hold a piece of ownership? So, so we're learning a lot with this yeah. conversation. So I think that that's exciting. So we're, we're stepping outside of our current industries. We're stepping outside of our current business models and our partnership roles and really kind of crafting something new. So it's really interesting.
0: And I think that this really kind of leads to what I think Sarita and I have identified is a driving goal of ours, which is instead of owning and being the day-to-day managers of a couple companies, that we would rather help get more companies up and running Not necessarily be responsible for the day-to-day management of them, but utilize the skill sets that we have developed by doing what we had previously done to help others start and find investors for their businesses and then retain a smaller percentage of ownership for us for a smaller amount of future work. We have a lot of ideas. We can't implement them all on our own. And frankly, other people in the community may have already had them or may already be a step or two down the road to accomplishing it. But we have been approached so many different times to help with an aspect of business development that people in the community do not have as a skill themselves and do not feel that there are good enough resources out there for them to rely on to get them to that next step. And so I really think that this could be the start of something new and different for us in the future and I'm really I'm really excited about that prospect as well.
1: Well, and I think it's important to really think about if you're an entrepreneur, what are your skill sets? I mean, lots of people have great ideas, and our friend that has this business, he knows he's not good at running a business and he knows he's not good at that startup thing and he's not good at the system stuff. We are
0: good at that. Um, but what he is is an Energizer Bunny. So if we set the in, path in front of him... He'll be able to follow say, it. And these are the things you have to do every day. These are the things you have to pay attention to. He will do that. And yeah. so, you know, we just got to set him on the path and then he'll energize our Bunny along. And our know.
1: investors don't want to do either of those things. Right. They don't want to run a business... They don't wanna do any of the systems or any of that stuff that we can do. They just have a little extra money. And I think that could really, really make our community, yeah. take our community the next
0: step, I guess. Well, and that is something that I've been harping on for a while now. And I think that an investor group like this could supplement what I'm hoping, I'm actually hoping maybe we can have a full podcast episode on build out costs and the impact of startup costs on a business's potential success, because there are some communities in this metro area that recognize that mm-hmm. and do that really, really well. Yeah. And, and it's not a loan. It is a grant that the cities are providing for small businesses for build-out costs in certain industries, targeted industries, just so that they can get doors open within a year. That paired with a small investment firm that provides loans at reasonable rates that any or all businesses could potentially qualify for. I think would be a really great comprehensive way to ensure continued growth in our community because we certainly do not lack for ideas in this community. What we lack is available startup capital for these businesses to get running. And then some of the other skill sets along the way in terms of business development of business plans and systems and, and all of that.
1: We've talked before about how all of our businesses currently incubate other businesses. Yep. And that's just, I think maybe And a this life... new one's going to do that too. I know it's just a life philosophy. So it's, I think that we should all do that and it makes us better. For instance, our coffee company has a cookie company in it. Like me, why would you not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we're not good at cooking. Right. She's good at cookies. She's not good at coffee or she is now because she's learned. But, you know, she's not roasting coffee and, you know, she doesn't want to roast coffee. So I think it's it's finding what you're good at. And I think we can even kind of draw this weird back to our beginning topic, which was the presidential race and the primaries. Are these people really serving their roles in the best capacity? Are we, yeah. as the voters, is our system completely broken? I don't know. Or are we able to pick who we think is going to be the right person and it actually be the right person?
0: I struggle with that. I, I kind of go back and forth on it. I really can truly see it both ways because, I mean, I feel like we have people in our immediate business lives that kind of fall into either of these categories. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, to, change is not scary to me, but I know so many people for whom change is really scary. I called my dad who is a Vermont Republican, which means if you dropped him in the middle of Oklahoma, he'd be one of the most progressive Democrats here. Um, (laughs) And I asked him if he was going to vote in the primary, and he said yes. And I said, who are you going to vote for? And I was not expecting him to say Joe Biden. And when he did, I said, well, why? And he said, well, I just want to get back to the way it was before, which was kind of related to my analogy of the monster truck versus the minivan. And I said, Dad, I understand that. But what I don't think you understand is that Obama's eight years were not so great for me as a millennial. I loved him. I voted for him. I supported a lot of the things he did. He did not support the things that would have drastically made my life better. And in fact, the lack of focus on the things that were actively destroying our lives as millennials only continued and now continue to this day. So I don't know that I necessarily want to go back to the status quo, and I think there is a big divide between the people who continue to be harmed by establishment politics and one side of radical politics and those who really aren't harmed by just about anything that happens. And this kind of relates a little bit back to our podcast last week about privilege. I am really worried that some of this election is and not exclusively you can break it down by different demographics and see totally different results but i really worry that this pining for the status quo again is in some ways a privileged perspective it's absolutely a privileged perspective and so but i also recognize that when you look at when you look at minority and underrepresented groups some of them have cast votes for the status quo or returned to the status quo so I don't really know truly how to feel about it yet. The political scientist in me is saying that hindsight is always 2020 and that it's going to take at least one more election cycle, maybe two, to really put 2016 and 2020 into appropriate context. But I do think that there is some harm in returning to the status quo or a lack of recognition that there are some serious things that we need to address Some serious things we need to disrupt and change. And I worry that this knee-jerk reaction back from, some would say, radical right uh, to status quo kind of center, maybe leaning a little left politics is just not going to have enough of an impact on the people who are so desperate for change because they're just being stomped into the ground. And they have been by the left and the right for so many years, and a return to the status quo is not going to change that. No. So
1: well, I, I worry. I called my dad, who is a Republican in Oklahoma, has been his whole life, and uh, he did not know there was an election yesterday.
0: So love you, dad. Silver lining of all of this from a business perspective. Cleveland County, our county, also voted yesterday to allow liquor sales on Sunday. We're going to need which it. We, We're going to need it. <laughs> With, however... That is again from a business perspective a leveling of the playing field Absolutely. because until the vote yesterday grocery stores could sell beer and wine any day of the week but liquor, but liquor stores were required to be closed on Sundays because so Oklahoma because yeah conservative religious beliefs I don't know I I grew up on the northeast coast where I mean yeah you had liquor stores but they were open seven days a week they were open on holidays if they wanted to be like I mean there was... are they
1: still closed on election day do we know this. Oh, great question. They've always, they,
0: they've, they used mm-hmm. to be closed in close day. Interesting. Election. I have no idea. So, from a business perspective, that is a move towards parity and leveling the playing field. And mm-hmm. I think that that's really important. And away so. from morality legislation. Morality based ordinances. Yeah. 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 That's um, definitely something we need to be staying away from, if at all possible. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, I guess this was a mishmash of, of weird topics that yeah. were rolling around in our heads. And funny, Kate and I have these car conversations all the time where we hash these things out and it goes everywhere from hair curlers to (laughs) to
0: intense politics,
1: politics, which I feel like I'm benefiting from Kate's uh, years at American University and her political Uh, science major.
0: I've never pined more to be back there and getting some really good feedback from my professional academics about elections because I was there for the 2008 elections and that it was a really enriching experience to be there in the heart of D.C. with professors who were engaged in politics on a totally different level and so I miss that. But we don't always kind of break from the business owner frame in this mm-hmm. podcast, but we are human and we, we are, have wacky lives. We too. are we are Americans and Norman residents and, you know, all the things that every business owner is in their own community. And our business ownership is not an island
1: mm-hmm. that
0: all of these things have an impact. We did not talk about pandemic preparedness or impact of act of God external factors on businesses but that's something that's been swirling around in my head and has been a topic of conversation on all of our industry you know pages and all of that i've ordered trees from china (laughs) you ordered trees from china a week before before the the, coronavirus before (laughs) the pandemic stuff really started rolling out there i don't know so we might be our i actually think there's a possibility that our trees will get stuck in customs for a couple weeks
1: i think so too so anyway i'm not gonna worry about it though this is called entrepreneurship right Continue to find us at roarandpeaceproject.com
0: and send us comments and questions to roarinpeaceproject at gmail.com and we will see you next week.